0: You're listening to the Bright City Podcast. To hear more about our gatherings, groups, and what's going on in the life of our church, visit brightcity.church or follow Bright City Church on Instagram. Today's message is from Pastor Nick.
1: If this is your first time at Bright City, we're so glad that you're here. My name's uh, Nick, I'm the pastor. Um, And we started this church uh, more than nine years ago, Um, and so we just have been trying to do what we've been doing since the beginning, and that's help people uh, encounter Jesus and the life that He has for us. Um, I wanted to start off this morning by asking a question. Um, Have you ever had a time or a season or maybe even a day where you just felt like it was the ideal conditions? Like, maybe you're kind of in the midst of that right now. Like, you're, you're here, maybe you're on vacation, and you're like, this is incredible. Like, beach, good food. Like, I could get used to this. Like, this is amazing. And then if you live here, you're like, I haven't been to the beach in, like, six months. I forgot that it exists. I forgot that it's here. And because I live here, I can't afford to eat out. And, and that's just the reality of me living in Charleston. Uh, Maybe it was a time in the past. Maybe you took a vacation or maybe it's just something in your life where you just had this overwhelming sense that you wanted time to stand still, right? Like you wanted that moment to pause. You wanted to live in it forever. And I've actually had a few of those moments where I've just asked God, like even in scripture where I'm like, God, there was that time that you made the sun stand still. And, you know, we are on vacation right now. So if you just wanted to do this cosmic work and make my vacation time stand still, like I will worship you forever, right? Have you ever had one of those moments you're like, please, God, just let this day never end. And what I find about these moments, at least for me, is I find that they usually happen when I'm removed from regular life. And I'm kind of stepped out of my normal routine. Like nobody has ever, like at least for me, like nobody has ever thought the ideal day came from that time. I had a disagreement with like a boss or a coworker. You're like oh if I could just go back to that day where me and my boss got into it like it's just it would be an incredible memory like I just would love to relive that day or maybe it's a moment that you had uh, with the kids like sometimes as a parent like I feel like a short line cook at the Waffle House where I'm just like shoveling out food and that's my purpose in life where it's like okay this is this is why I exist like covered smothered what it smothered chunked like that that's that's my calling in life is is to be chunked for jesus for my kids to like give them the hash browns that they deserve or maybe it's that two-hour carpool stint where you're like okay I should have just become an Uber driver. Is there a way to pick up my kids and pick up other people at the same time so I can at least make some money off of this moment? And and usually when we have these ideal days or these ideal moments, they don't necessarily happen in the middle of our real lives, right? Like they happen when we kind of have this opportunity to step out of the everyday routines and the everyday things that we do in life. Uh, One of the things that we've been trying to do in this sermon series is talk about how we as God's people can be a light unto the world. Uh, If this is your first time here, we're going to do something at the end, and and you're going to be worried because you're like, we're all saying this at the same time. Is this a chant or something? But it's actually us reading Matthew 5. These are Jesus' words. And the invitation and the proclamation that Jesus gave for His church was that we would be a light unto the world, the city that's on a hill, so that when the world looks up, they see kind of this, this light in the distance. And as a result, they see the good works in the church and through the people of the church. And because of that, there's this crazy thing that happens is when people see our lives when we live this way, other people start to worship Jesus, and so if you've ever felt this tension where you're like, I just don't understand how the world is going to change. Like, I just don't understand, like, what is the exit opportunity for the crazy train that we might be on in the world? And a lot of us are like, okay, we've, we've just got to move or I've just got to get some land out in the middle of nowhere and this is how I'm going to endure through time. But actually, Jesus' invitation to us was an invitation where we would be the catalyst in the change in the world that we longed for and desired, and even more that he longed for and desired. And so when you think about your life, you are created in such a way to be an agent of change for the world. And so we've kind of been talking about that being this idea of winsome. So becoming winsome. This is kind of Paul's term. He says that I become like these things so that I might win some people to Christ. He goes, I become all things to all people so that I might be winsome. And so for me, it's a really good encouragement, especially when I think about the people who have come in the past, like Billy Graham. Maybe Billy Graham? Like we're getting there where people don't know Billy Graham. I need to do like a sermon series somehow on Billy Graham. <laughs> But sometimes we equate people hearing about Jesus to people filling stadiums and, and some guy getting up there and preaching this message and a lot of people respond. But what if God's plan for the rest of us was that you would live your life where you live your life and people would be changed through you? Like that that's a pretty cool thing, right? Like that, that you would live in such a way that it causes someone else's life to change for the better. That's actually God's plan. That's actually what he wants for this world. And so for us, we're talking about this idea of becoming winsome. But here's the deal. As we've been going through this sermon series, I don't know if you felt this way. But I think sometimes when we hear things on Sunday, we're like, yeah, Nick, that's your job because you do this full time. But tomorrow I'm going to leave and I'm going to go to my job and I've got deadlines, I've got all these things that I have to figure out, and then I've got my life, and then I've got this, and then I've got that, and then this is actually happening, and this person's sick, and that is is happening over here, and I don't know how that's going to end, and then there's this struggle that I'm having within my family, and then, like, how do you fit in the mission of God when all the things are going crazy around you, right? Like, how do you do that? And so, kind of this morning, my argument, if you will, or my proposal to you guys, everybody who knows me, they're like, Nick, you would argue with a fly. What are you talking about? My proposal to you is that the miracles in the mission that God has for your life happens in the messy middle. So here's what I'm saying is that there are things that God has written over your life That he wants to do through you. And I think a lot of times we're trying to wait for the optimal circumstances to enter into those things. It's almost like we're trying to take a boat out on the ocean and you have to wait for the tide and the weather and this and that and all the conditions to be right. And what I find is that that's incredible if you want to go smooth sailing on a party boat, but it's actually not beneficial if you are wanting to be an agent of change and spread the gospel of Jesus through your life in this world. Because here's the deal. The conditions are never going to be ideal. Like if you're waiting on the world to get right so that you can be this like Christian that's welcomed and your faith is welcome in the world... Like, I'm not trying to discourage you, and I don't want to burst your bubble, but I don't know if that's going to happen. Like, God will give you favor with people, and He will give you instances where your faith will be welcomed, but for the reality of the rest of the time, it's going to be one of those things that might not be welcomed in this world. Like, isn't that what Jesus said? He said, in this world, you're going to have trouble. And He says that's going to be circumstantial, but it's also going to be because of what we believe if you're waiting for the conditions to be right in your life, I'm so sorry to tell you this, you lost an hour of sleep and you have to hear this, is that it might not happen. Like it might not happen. Like the very ideal life that you want to live with the .5 whatever cars and kids that you need to have and then the picket fence and it's got to be this color. And all, like all of that might not happen, but you are still called into the mission that God has for you. And so what I'd like to propose this morning is that the mission in the life that God has for us is not when the sea is calm and everything's smooth sailing, but actually mission happens in the messy middle, right? And I think sometimes we are okay with mountaintop mission, but we have a hard time with the messy mission. Like, isn't this what happens in Jesus's ministry with the transfiguration, like, if you read the Gospels, there's this moment where Jesus' inner circle gets to go on a hike with Jesus. I mean, how cool is that? Think about the person that you want to hang out with the most, and then you're, like, going on a hike with them. If for some of you, you're like, I don't want to hike a mountain. I just want to go out to dinner with them. That's great. Dinner, <laughs> hike, whatever you need to get there mentally. So you're going up. On this mountain. And I imagine that in the margins, there's a lot of good conversation that could happen on this walk. Like, hey, Jesus, tell me about this. Like, hey, Jesus, what were you thinking when you did this? Like, hey, when you did that miracle, how did you do that? Like, these are the questions I'd have been asking. Like, hey, Jesus, what's it like being the Son of God? That's interesting. Tell us more. Like, there would have been a lot of questions that I would have had. And so they get to the top of this mountain, and all of a sudden, it's like Sunday school on steroids. How many of you guys grew up with the felt boards in Sunday school? So this is the closest we got to Moses and Elijah was a piece of felt, right? Like that, that's my reality. I don't know if that's your reality. Our kids, they get like amazing programs and we have these amazing shows and there's dances and there's songs and then there's snacks that we never had. Like when I was growing up, it was like saltines and that was what you got, <laughs> It's like, this is the body of Jesus. It's salty, eat it. But what happened on this mountain was that Moses and Elijah appeared in such a way that it freaked the disciples out. And so what does Peter do? Like Anybody, Peter fans, maybe you find a little Peter in your, in your own life where you just say the wrong things at the wrong time all the time. Peter's like, Jesus, I know what we should do. I've got an idea, which automatically means that it's a bad idea if Peter says it. But he's like, hey, we should set up camp up here and never leave. Like all the people down there and all the problems, like let's build a mountain retreat and a mountain house and like, look at this view. And then we've got Elijah and we've got Moses, like they've come. And so it's like the old Testament come back to life. So we're living in the new Testament and the old Testament. Like how incredible would it be if we just stayed up on the mountaintop and Jesus is like, no, that's, that's not the plan that I have for you. The plan that I have for you is actually in the messy middle. And so when we get off this mountain, you're actually going to encounter some people who need you. When we get to the bottom of this mountain, you're going to see someone that desperately needs healing. And then you're going to encounter some disciples that tried to figure out how to do it on their own. Like they're checking the like healing manuals and they're like flipping through like, okay, that didn't work and that didn't work. And this isn't working. And so we just actually broke this guy's life because we can't heal him. And then Jesus shows up. And so now our boss is here and we didn't do the job that we were supposed to do. And so now this whole thing is a mess. And when I read the scriptures, I actually think that that is the moment and that is the soil for the miracles that God wants to do through you. And I think so often we are yearning for the mountaintops. And Jesus is like, hey, I have unleashed you in the messy middle. I have unleashed you in such a way that, yes, you might encounter some brokenness. You are going to encounter some busyness and some inconvenience in your own life. You are going to have days where you do not want to wake up and go to your job and go participate in this relationship and do this and do that. But I promise you, if you can press forward, you are actually going to find the miracles and the mission that you were created for. And it is going to be in the messy middle. One of the persons that I feel like did this so well in the scriptures was the Apostle Paul. Anyone heard of him, Apostle Paul? So Paul was this guy that actually had an incredible encounter with Jesus. Like it was so incredible that they were like, hey, we got to change your name because that was pretty doggone incredible. Like you encountered God, you get a new name. That didn't happen to me. The only time i get a new name is when my mom says my full name like that was the only time i had a new name it was like nick and if i was in real trouble it was the whole name and then i was like that's the closest to a name change i'm ever going to get but paul was a guy Saul, and he had been this guy that persecuted the church and then all of a sudden had been reborn to be an instrument for the kingdom and the instrument for the church and paul was so committed to being a light for Jesus in the messy middle that he would use any circumstance to do it. I remember this one time in the end of Acts where they're actually on this boat and he's trying to make his way to Rome, not for vacation, but so that he can stand before Caesar and give an account of Jesus. And so this time that they're going, they're encountering this rough sea that's happening. And so what they do is they start throwing things overboard because they need to figure out how to survive in the torrential waters that they're experiencing. Well, part of them throwing things overboard was the food. And so I think the scripture says, if my memory is correct, it says that they went almost like 14 days without food. I don't know about you, but I miss a meal and I get that hangry feeling. Like I'm like, I'm either going to get some food or I'm going to be featured in a Snickers commercial real quickly. Like that's the line for me. But 14 days without food, Paul's like, hey, guys, hey, I need to just tell you something. I believe God wants to provide a a meal for you. And it's like, well, Paul, that's great. That's awesome. We just threw all the food off the the boat. Like, what, what does that look like? And so he would constantly be using this messy middle to speak the name of Jesus. And then there's this moment where they actually get shipwrecked and get to where they can swim on the shore and they're all there on this island and what does paul do he doesn't say oh my gosh that was horrible or, is everybody okay he's like hey everyone i want to preach a sermon like can you imagine that like you just like withstood almost losing your life and the first thing that nick would want to do is preach a sermon you're like no i'm over this like i need a moment you do you cannot preach at me right now Like, I almost lost my life. I don't think that's what Jesus was talking about, being shipwrecked for him. But in this moment, he was like, hey, this is the messy middle. Let me tell you what God is doing here. God is, he is moving in such a way that he has spared our lives. Have you ever wondered why he spared our lives? Man, there's a purpose here, and I want to connect the dots for you. He was just the king of using the messy middle for his glory. God's glory. And so when we get to second Corinthians chapter one, he has this way of introducing himself to the church. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever been in churches, usually we don't start with like suffering and struggle. Like usually we like warm you up with coffee and then we give you like roomy chairs And then i ask like a question to engage or you know something but i don't go hey anyone having a bad day me too like if i did that you'd be like oh great like when is lunch happening like when do we get to get out of here because nick's gonna like whine about his suffering and his struggles but what happens here is paul he opens up with the suffering and the struggle in such a beautiful way because i believe that he sees the power of the messy middle i believe that he sees that there is such a mission if we're able to open our eyes and see the miracles that god wants to do in this messy middle so second corinthians uh, this is chapter 1 verses 3 through 7 and i think it'll be up there it says all praise to god the father of our lord jesus christ god is our merciful father and the source of all comfort He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with this comfort through Christ. Even when we are weighed down with troubles, It is for your comfort and salvation. So he's talking to the church there. He says, for when we ourselves are comforter, we will certainly comfort you. I think he's trying to make a point there. Like, hey, you're going to receive something you're going to give something. Then you can patiently endure the same things that we suffer. We are confident that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in the comfort God gives us. And so how do we minister and do mission out of this messy middle? And I believe Paul gives us a few things. And one of the first things that I believe he's showing us, and I actually think there was another theologian, Mick Jagger, was showing us the same thing here, is that we get what we need, not necessarily what we want, right? You've been there? Okay, you're following me. (laughs) You're like, he's off his rocker. Listen, you can be right sometimes by accident. Like, I don't think he's like a theologian, but he was, he was right. It's, I, I have another sermon where I quote Kenny Rogers. Like, sometimes you got to know when to hold him, know when to fold him, know when to walk away. Like, there is some godly wisdom in there somewhere. Oftentimes, I find myself in the messy middle, and rather than searching for what I need, I'm searching and turning to what I want. Have you ever been there? where you're like, hey, I don't know what's happening, but I had a bad day, and I need a big old glass of something, or I need a big old show of something, or I need a big old step away from something. And I think oftentimes what happens is when we live in that way, we miss out on the miracle that God wants to extend to us in our relationship with Him. And I think sometimes we have these crises of faith in our life And we're like, man, where is God? Where is God? Where is God? And God's like, hey, I'm right here, but I was at the left and you took a right and you went to do this and that and that and this. And I was here the whole time. And so Paul, he's reminding us in that verse one, it says all praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is merciful. God is our merciful father and the source of all comfort. And so when Paul gets in these messy middle moments, his first step is to turn towards God because he knows that that is how he's going to receive the comfort that he needs to live this life for Jesus. And so when you see that word comfort, I'm like, okay, what is that? Is that like... God sending us a Hallmark greeting card or like we get flowers when our day's down. Like, what does this look like? And comfort actually means a calling or summoning near. And so what happens is is God's saying, hey, what you're going to get is not a change in circumstance, but you're actually going to get a change of proximity. Rather than taking you to another place, I'm going to bring you closer to me. And that's where the comfort comes in. It's a Paul saying, hey, the comfort that we are going to get is going to actually be God himself. And you're like, I don't know, kind of like the things of God more. I mean, I get it. Like, who doesn't want blessing over presence, right? Like, sometimes we get that way where we're like, man, I just I would rather have blessing. God, if you just give me blessing, like keep the storms, blessing, Lord, bless me. Lord, please give me blessing. But he's like, hey, I, like first off, I just, I just need you to know that, that I, I am the blessing. I am the peace. I am the comfort. And so when we find ourselves in the messy middle, we've got to make sure that we are reaching out to what we need, not necessarily what we want. And what happens is, is I find sometimes as believers, we have these people around us that are going through the storms of their life, and we are only extending to them the things rather than the actual person, God. Right? Like Jesus came to walk among us. He didn't say, hey, you'll be good just living on this earth. And so when we find ourselves in these moments, like we have to actually give them this comfort, and the only way we know to have the comfort is that we actually turn to the comfort ourselves rather than the things of this world. This is the equivalent of being in a plane and putting the oxygen mask on first before you turn to your neighbor and put theirs on, right? Like it's like, hey, you've got to make sure that you are breathing rightly in this life. you got to make sure that you are receiving the comfort that you need in the messy middle of your life. And so Paul was like, hey, I've had some crazy days. I've had a lot happen to me. But the place that I found the relief and the comfort was actually in the presence of God, not in the things of this world, it was actually in His way of comforting me that I felt this wave of peace come over my life. Like, if you ever wanted that peace, have you ever felt like you don't have peace? And what I see in scriptures is like, hey, in order to get the peace, we've got to come to the Prince of Peace, and His name's Jesus. And so, to live out the mission that God has for you in the messy middle means that you have to put your oxygen mask on first. You have to make sure that you are receiving comfort. You have to make sure that you are drawing near to Jesus. You have to make sure that you are stepping into all that the Father of Heaven and Earth has for you. You might be thinking like, okay, how... How how do I know God wants me? Like how do I know that he wants me near? Like he, you know, he, he hasn't, you know, he doesn't know my past. He doesn't know all the things that I've struggled with. Here's the most beautiful thing about God is he knows everything about everyone and he still extends the invitation to you and I to come near. Like he wants you near so much that he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so that you could be brought near to him. If, if you don't believe that you're wanted after that, I, d- I don't know what will make you wanted. How crazy is that? Is that the God of heaven and earth gave his one and only son so that you could enter into his comfort. He purchased that comfort for you. How many of you love a gift that someone else bought you? Those are the best gifts, right? Like this is the greatest gift that God would purchase comfort for you in and through his son, Jesus. So we get what we want. And then out of that, we give what we receive. We give what we receive. This is what Paul continues. He says he comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. Let me read that again. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. And so what Paul is doing here is he's attaching purpose to our pain in life. Like he's saying, hey, I need you to know that the pain that you're feeling, the messy middle that you're in the midst of, there's actually a purpose to it. And because what happens is is we will not endure the messy middle if we do not find the purposes of God in it. In fact, I think it's hard to endure the messy middle even when there's not some sort of pleasure of life attached to it. It's like, oh, I can get through this because I've got the paycheck. Or I could get through this because I have this on the other side. I can get through this because I know that I have vacation coming up. And what what Paul is saying, like, hey, you can get through this because you have purpose in the midst of this mission and the messiness that you're feeling. I mean, this is so incredible because usually we have to make sure we endure everything before we reap the benefits of it. And Paul's saying, hey, you actually get the purpose in the middle of it all. Like you actually get the purpose every day when you're walking through it. You actually get the purpose when you wake up and do the very thing that you don't want to do. He's saying the purpose is there. And I think sometimes when we think about the comfort of God, we picture some magical moment where it's like us and God on a beach, and then, you know, the barefoot, like Prince, Sand, Jesus moment. Like, that's, that's like what we equate comfort to. But I think sometimes we forget that God has things for us to do on this planet. I think uh, another misconception comes in that invitation that we receive in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28, and 30, right? Like, Jesus' invitation, he says, Come to me. All who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Who doesn't want to nap in Jesus' name? Then he says this. Granted, my, my extent of farming is going to find a parking spot at Trader Joe's. Like that's, that's the grind that I have for food. But here's what I'm seeing here. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Here he goes again. He says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What I am not hearing is that you won't have a yoke and you won't have a burden. What I am hearing is that you are going to have my yoke and my burden. And my yoke and my burden involves you receiving comfort. And as a result, you extending that comfort to other people. And here's the beautiful part of that, is the toil that you experience in your job, it sounds like you're not going to experience it in this mission. Like your life will be messy, but the mission won't. It's going to be clear. Like people are messy, but God's not. Like people have a lot of things going on in their lives, but the mission of the kingdom is this thing that's supposed to be light and weightless in in our lives, And so he's saying, hey, why are you carrying the heaviest thing that you can carry when I have this mission that you're meant to carry and I'm going to carry with you? And I think sometimes we experience the weight of this world and the weight of our lives because we're not carrying the lives that God purchased for us. You're out there carrying like a 300-pound weight, and you're like, God, help me carry it. And he's screaming from heaven, I didn't want you to carry that. I didn't want you to carry that. Like, you, you, you you are... perfecting your muscles, but that's not what I wanted you to carry. Like, you're getting the protein, but that's not what I wanted. And he's saying, hey, like, what happens if you actually carry the thing that you're supposed to carry? Here's something I have found that has been so true in my life, and I wonder if it's true in your life. The beautiful thing about helping others in their struggle from the comfort that we receive is that we receive healing when we help. And sometimes I wonder if we haven't been fully healed because when we haven't turned to others and been a part of their healing. Mm-hmm. And so what Paul's saying is he's saying, hey, there is a comfort that you are going to receive. And part of that comfort being fully rooted and experienced in your life is going to come when you receive the comfort and you extend that comfort to other people. And I think sometimes in my own life, I stop short, therefore I don't receive the full comfort and the full healing. Don't you want to receive the full comfort and the full healing that God has for you? And Paul's saying, hey, there's something greater that's going on here, and that you're going to receive comfort, and as a result, you are going to be able to help the people in this world. How amazing is it that God doesn't allow us to just be annoyed by the people of the world and around us, the difficult people that we have in our lives. But he's like, hey, did you know that you could be a part of the solution? First of all, you got to remember that you're a difficult person too. Like we're all difficult people. I have a friend who says it's extra grace required. That's what some people are in his life, and I'm like, yeah, me too, man. I am the first extra grace required of my own self in my own life. Like I gotta extend grace to myself. And so we have these difficult people in our life and we write them off and say, oh, that's just how they're always going to be. Oh, that God's surely not, God's not in that situation over there. And God's like, hey, I am in that situation. I'm in that situation through you. It's not getting better because you're not going over there and extending the comfort that they need. You have the good news. They don't. They're a prisoner of war. You're not. You are supposedly stepped into freedom. They haven't. They're in bondage. What, what do people do when they're in bondage and they don't have freedom? They lash out and hurt, right? Wounded people wound people, right? Yeah. And he's like, hey, you, you've got a comfort that can help that situation. And then lastly, we get to gain a new perspective. Paul finishes this thought with this. This is, this is crazy. This is like level 501. He says, For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with His comfort through Christ. And so when you're at the place where you're just like, I, just, I can't take anymore, what we're indirectly saying is, is I can't take any more of God's comfort. Because if we stiff-arm suffering, then we're stiff-arming the comfort that God has for us. And that's, that's hard. That's like upside-down thought, right? Like comfort only comes when like, it's smooth sailing, right? When we're on the beach and we're listening to country music, like that's comfort. And and God's like, no, 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 no. Like the more you experience uncomfort in this world is when you receive the most comfort in this world. He says, even when we are weighed down with troubles, it is for your comfort and salvation. So that's Paul saying that to the church. He's saying, hey, the more trouble I experience, the more salvation you're going to experience. How incredible is that? And so what's happening here is he's putting perspective on what God's doing in the mission of his kingdom. Uh, One of the things that we have in this uh, city is the wonderful blessing of beach, good food, quaint little city, little history, all the things. But the other side of that coin is that we get hurricanes. Anyone? yeah, Yeah, we have hurricanes. And so every fall... I know that they're going to tell us to get out at some point. And I know that most likely I'm probably not going to get out because I don't want to re-enter through bad traffic. And the other times I've gotten out, it's been worse in the cities where I went rather than here. But I know, like I know that at some point in the fall, they're going to be like, oh, this storm's brewing. And then for like the whole week, they'll close everything down. And then we'll watch the weather channel and we'll watch this thing spin. And it's like five hours later. Has it moved? No, it hadn't moved. It's still there. Okay, well, let's keep watching it. And then we keep watching it. And then the weather people are outside and they're like throwing objects at the weathermen. But nothing's happening off camera. But every time the hurricane season comes around, I know this is what's happening. I expect this to happen, right? I find in my own life, I don't expect storms to happen as a result. I get offended. I get offended. I say, God, how could you? How could you? And what Paul's trying to reframe in this moment is, is like, hey, are storms are their salvation. You're like, I don't want that. Uh, that's, that's not what I want. Like, I didn't sign up for storms. And if I, if I have a storm, like, I want to be Jesus on the boat sleeping. Can I have that job? Like, sleeping like Jesus on the boat in the middle of the storm. And what Paul's saying here is he's like, hey, the more storms in your life, the more salvation around you through your life. And so this is is the mission that God has called us into. This is the messy middle. And what I find is that the more we enter into the mission and the messy middle that God has for us, what I find is that the miracles that we experience in that moment are better than any ideal day you could ever have. I find that the the miracles that I experience when I truly love people and serve them and extend comfort into their lives are better than any vacation I could ever go on. And I think for us, we have to see what God is doing in our lives. Will we ever go up to the mountain? Absolutely. Do you need to feel bad about going up to the mountain? Absolutely not. If you're here on vacation, I'm so glad you came. You get extra, extra points because you're at church on vacation. But here's the deal is that the life that God has purchased for you in and through Jesus on the cross is actually a mission in the messy middle of your life. That is when you're at your best. That's when you're most attuned to God. That's when you are going to receive the most comfort, and as a result, you're going to be able to give the most comfort. That's when your perspective's gonna shift, and you're like, man, God, I'm, I just, I've kind of been, and this is just me and God, so take this for whatever it is. Like, I've been a whiny baby, and I've been so offended by the things that are happening in my life. And, and, I, and I'm surprised by the storms, but I don't, I don't wanna be surprised anymore. I think, I think God's gonna do something in this, I think God's gonna use this. Like, we are about to sit through Resurrection Sunday, and some of us struggle to believe that God wants to resurrect things in our lives. That's what He does. He is in the resurrection business. He is in the business where we have ashes in this world, and He transformed them into beauty. Why wouldn't He do that in your life? But the question is, do you want Him to do that in your life? Because I promise you, if you are not entering into the mission of the messy middle that God has for your life, then you will enter into the mundane way of this world. And you'll doubt God. And you'll be like, he doesn't exist. He's not doing anything. And he's like, I, actually, I am. I'm just waiting for you to go where I want you to go. Just waiting for you to do what I want you to do. But Here's the most beautiful thing about God. He's not tapping his foot up there waiting for you to get your life together. He is lovingly waiting for your eyes to open and see the miracles that he wants to do in your life. Like that's the picture of the father, right? It's the prodigal son. He's not there to give you the I told you so speech. He's there to throw the celebration. But in order to receive the celebration, we need to come home first. So come home to the messy middle. Find the miracles there. Watch God work and watch him redeem all of the mess of your life because he's the only one who can. Amen? Amen. Father, we love you. We thank you for all that you do. Uh, Father, I just pray that this time would just be a place where we can uh, just hear from you. Father, we just want to hear from you. I, I know my limitations. I know my words have limits. But God, your power and your presence has no limits. So Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, we just receive the comfort. We pray that you would summon us near and that we would answer. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thanks for listening in to Bright City. If this was encouraging, we'd love for you to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're an owner at Bright City, you can give online at brightcity.church or on Venmo to Bright City. Before you go, we'd love to speak this benediction from Matthew 5 over you. You are the light of the world. A city built on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We love you, Bright City.